Welcome to the official podcast from mycreditstatus.co.za. We will be introducing you to credit experts who will be providing valuable insight and advice from your financial health to improving your credit status and score. Your host for the show is Laura Palmieri. Hello, and welcome to My Credit Status Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be discussing consumers' rights in terms of the National Credit Act. Our guest today is Gerard Viviers, who is the National Credit Act Specialist for Moonstone Compliance and Risk Management. He's also a compliance officer at My Credit Status. Gerard is an admitted attorney of the High Court and holds a Bachelor's of Accounting and Bachelor's of Law degree from the University of Stellenbosch. Welcome, Gerard. Hi, Laura. <laughs> great, great to be with you guys. It's great for me to finally actually meet you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start off. Carol, can you briefly explain to our audience what is a National Credit Act Specialist? What is your main function and what actually do you do? Sure. Um, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> yeah, if I can. No, I, I can't even explain it to my parents. I don't think they know what, I exactly, what exactly I do. <laughs> um, Laura, in essence, what, what I do is more of a compliance function, um, specifically focused on the National Credit Act. So we've got different type of um, registrants that we assist with their compliance with the, and if I'm going to refer to the NCA, it means the National Credit Act. Um, so our main client base at this stage is of our credit providers, um, micro lenders, vehicle asset financiers, um, medical devices companies, anybody that sells a product or uh, gives out a loan on credit. Um, on top of that, we also have specific we have a specific focus on what they call a reseller credit bureau, um, which is quite a recent thing within the credit industry and uh, my credit status is also registered as a, as a reseller credit bureau. Okay. So that's more or less the main focus and to just assist you guys with what is the requirements in terms of the act and actually figuring out how we can comply with those requirements and, and, and through the process monitor and document um, our compliance with the NCA. So, so realistically what you're actually doing is you're making sure like um, ourselves, my credit status, credit bureaus, we are acting within the law. So we're providing the correct information as per the National Credit Act. Exactly. So we're protecting the, you looking after us to make sure that we're protecting the consumer. So the consumer is exactly. the main... Exactly. And uh, looking to be honest, and I think this is something that we must mention, is the fact that the NCA doesn't require you to appoint a compliance officer. And that's a completely optional thing. So by having a compliance officer on board should actually give the consumers a bit more assurance um, that you are actually dealing with a company that um, uh, they are acting responsibly uh, and they want to comply with the act. And that's something that, that I think is very ad ad admirable. Yes, that's true, especially considering the paperwork involved. But at the end of the day, you're right. We at least are compliant and we have you on board to look after us. Awesome. Right. <laughs> okay. The National Credit Act is aimed at protecting the consumer. It affords consumers with various rights, one of which is the consumer's right to apply for credit. Can you briefly explain this to our audience? Okay. Laura, in essence, is uh, you, know, you can't necessarily prohibit somebody, if you are a credit provider, you can't prohibit somebody to apply for credit at, at you specifically. You can, for example, limit that to a specific, for example, an employer giving out loans to, to the employees. That's one example. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't just outright say, sorry, you can't apply for credit us, uh, with us. And... Um, 
However, based on that as well, what you need to take into consideration as well, whether or not you applied for credit doesn't necessarily mean that a credit provider should grant you credit. There's certain aspects like, for example, affordability, your credit report, your credit history on the credit report, everything that they take into consideration to assess the risk and whether or not they are willing to take that risk to provide you with credit. So, although you've got the right to apply, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the right to receive the credit. So, what I'm assuming is, so if you do apply and, and, and you're declined, you also need to be given the reasons why. Is that correct? That's, that's exactly what needs to be done. So, if, and that's specifically also enacted, that when a credit provider refuses you credit, yes. uh, they need to provide you with the dominant reasons for refusing that credit. And that can, for example, be, as I said, um, based on your affordability assessment, and in short, what that means is that we, they take your gross income, they subtract all your deduction of your, your expenses, including the debt repayment history on your um, credit report. Um, then they get to a discretionary income and they need to compare that with your the proposed monthly installment of the credit agreement. If the proposed monthly installment exceeds your discretionary income, that will mean that you can't afford the loan. And should they then provide you with the loan, it will be reckless on their side. Okay. Um, so if that is the case um, and they refuse it on that basis, they need to provide you with the reasons that it was for affordability purposes. Um, another reason, for example, would be, and that's where you guys come in, where there's adverse information on a credit report, for example, like the judgment or adverse listing that were made, or, for example, if the consumer is under debt review. And um, if that's the basis on which they decline the application for credit, they need to explain it to you. They need to provide you with that reason. If it's something specifically on the credit report, they also need to provide you with the details of the credit bureau from um, which they obtained the credit report. And uh, just for interest sake, in your instance as a reseller bureau, um, you guys will obtain your credit information from a full credit bureau like TransUnion and CompuScan and, so, yes. and, and XDS and Experian and Vericredit and CPB. Those are the six ones that that's currently the, are permitted to, uh, to retain the uh, consumer profile, payment profile information. And, um, so, and your responsibility is just to, to advise the consumer of the bureau where you obtain that, uh, that specific credit information. And uh, then they can go, they can go dispute it at the credit bureau if it's not accurate. So, yeah. I think this is where a lot of, a lot of companies fall short in, in actually giving the, providing the proper information to, the, to their clients. Yeah, agreed. But that's why we have a podcast. Let's hope to educate the people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. With regards to the consumer's right, the protection against discrimination in respect of credit, what exactly does that mean? And what does the discrimination apply to? That is a bit of a, that's a long one. Um, a long one. Yeah, if you go specifically and you have a look at the, um, our constitution as well, um, you can't directly or indirectly discriminate on any person on the, on the grounds um, being race, gender, sex, pregnancy, marital status. Um, wow. Color, sexual orientation, um, disabilities, religion, there's a long list. Um, and the fact, the, the thing that that specifically states is, and it, again, it pertains to when you do an affordability assessment, when a credit provider decides whether or not he wants to um, grant credit to you, he can't make, he can't um, base his decision or, or change his decision based on any of those grants that I've listed before. 
Um, even if you look at, for example, something that I thought of earlier is uh, the fact that because somebody is now of a different um, religion of you, now you charge him a higher interest. Have you seen um, that happen? That's prohibited. Um, I have, luckily, I haven't seen something in practice, um, but that's definitely something that could potentially happen. And that's why this, the consumers are specifically protected in terms of the NCA that it shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, so that's, that's in a nutshell what that specific writing entails. Oh, I never knew that it covered in, that it actually, there's so much protection with regards to the discrimination. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's something, it's, it's, from a compliance perspective, it's very difficult to monitor as well. I'm sure, yes. Um, sure. Because it's all value-driven. It's not like a rule-based type of type of um, assessment that you can do. Um, yes. So, and for me as a compliance officer as well, I try to understand the culture of my clients. I have management discussions with them. Um, and on that basis, we normally have a level of comfort that, look, yes, they comply with this specific, or they actually provide the consumers with those type of rights. Uh, but it's something that you can very quickly pick up, especially as a consumer as well. Um, you'll know if somebody is discriminating again, or if, a, if a credit provider is discriminating against you. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah. Okay. We've noticed at my credit status that one of the main stumbling blocks for consumers is understanding the information on their credit reports. So we've simplified it for them um, to help them better understand. But there is the right to information in plain and understandable language. Can you go through this for us? No, definitely. Um, Laura, that's also a bit of a difficult one. And the so, yeah. main aim, in my opinion, for that specific right is to do away with legal jargon. Mm. Um, and specifically in your credit agreements. Now, being a lawyer, um, yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can write a... A very long letter or a very um, uh, a very long credit agreement that sounds extremely look here off, off, yeah, uh, uh, how can I put it gently now um, <laughs> it's almost something where you sound very important when you write it or the manner in which you write it but the fact of the matter it's it's it, it, it's actually a very simple concept that needs to be explained um, so the lawyers like to overcomplicate things, and I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, but the Act specifically requires you to provide the information, and, and as well in the quotation and the credit agreement, um, in a very plain and understandable language. And that's also where the credit provider will need to make sure that they understand the target market. Uh, um, and that's why um, just in short business loans, for example, where you enter where the borrower is a juristic person and it's, the loan amount is in excess of 250,000 rand. Just to give you one example, that falls outside the application of the NCA, because often those guys would have a legal team and they can they can uh, use their legal jargon in their uh, credit agreements and make sure that they you know, you've got somebody that knows what what the specific uh, clauses entails. But for the, the the general consumer on the street, you need to explain it a bit more clearly. Um, and that's also, that's one of the things that we also focus on is when we sit with our credit provider clients is we go through their documentation and we make sure that it is written in a simple language and specifically for the target market. Um, yeah, so... I, I personally think in, in some circumstances it actually suits them to, to have it in that in a complicated manner because they, they just want you to sign in some manners. It's like... Oh, definitely. And also the consumer sometimes feels like they feel inadequate. They, that they don't, they don't want to seem like they don't know what they what they're signing what it means so they'll sign it because they want that loan 
Yeah, law, exactly. And to be honest with you, I often, and, and I think it's also a fear of that you come across that you don't know what is being explained to you mm. or, or that's written. And and, and um, sometimes self, my, myself as a lawyer, often if there's something that I'm not familiar with, um, it's easy to say, yeah, no, accept, I accept just to not uh, go under scrutiny for why I don't understand what's written. There. Correct, yes. Um, so, but yeah, and, and that's why it's very important. And even from a credit report perspective, and that doesn't, this one doesn't specifically necessarily relate to credit reports. Mm. Um, but something that I've seen often, and not even from consumers, also from credit providers, is that the credit report is difficult to interpret exactly what's going on there. Mm. Um, so by making it easy and, and, and stating it in plain and understandable language on the specific credit report, um, that will assist the consumer. Um, and that's definitely something that everybody within the credit uh, market can strive towards. So Yeah, that is really one area that we worked hard on. Because it's, it's all very well supplying the credit report, but if that consumer can't understand it, they just see the high numbers and they go, well, what? they don't understand what a judgment means. They need to be expensive exactly. to understand. Exactly. Often something that I've seen uh, debt restructuring is one of the things that's, that's also a bit unclear often. Um, because in the, often the credit reports will refer to debt restructuring instead of uh, debt review. Um, where debt restructuring could also potentially mean, but look here, I'm in a bit of trouble, I went for a consolidation loan, and now my debt is restructured to one credit provider, yeah. um, so I pay off and he paid off all my other creditors, um, and it's difficult to interpret, and that's not, and again, it's not only the consumers that have difficulties with this, it's also the other users, um, the credit providers. Um, I would even imagine uh, the uh, counsellors in a certain sense that might have issues interpreting some of the credit reports. Yeah, absolutely, I agree on that one. Okay, so what are the consumers' rights in terms of terminating or setting an agreement or making early payments? Okay, in short, you can do it at any time. Um, if you want to early terminate or make an early payment, you can make it. You must just ask the credit provider specifically in terms of the setting of the agreement to provide you with a quote. Um, they will often then provide you with a quote in a very short amount of time after that, until when it's um, up until the time that it's available or when it's um, you know, when it can be made. And specifically in terms of early payments as well, there's nothing in the Act that prohibits you from making an early payment, even if you are on a debit order with the with the credit mm -hmm. provider. Um, you can still, if you've got an extra 500 rand or 1,000 rand, whatever the case might be, you can pay it off, and that Im immediately needs to be um, um, allocated towards first the interest, then all the fees, and then the capital or the principal debt that is outstanding. So, I wonder how many times that actually happens in cir certain circumstances. <laughs> Excuse me, Laura, I didn't get that quite clearly. I wonder if how many times that actually happens in the sense of does do they always apply that in the sense of allocating it to your account or allocating to the interest or yeah luckily that, and that's a good question and you should ask that questions um often what what happens is if you look at some of the clauses you'll see that it's up to the uh, not necessarily um the credit provider but whomever you have to repay um that it's in their discretion to where they want to allocate the payments to um, and that's that's prohibited in terms of the NCA. Um, there's no discretion. You know, it must go first to interest, then to the fees, and then to the capital or the principal debt that's outstanding. So that's the manner in which it needs to be um, allocated. 
Yeah, that's actually, I, 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 that's something that uh, I think a lot, I wasn't even aware of it. To, to, we have to actually make note when we, if we're in that situation, we make early payments. Where is it allocated to? Yeah, and look, that clauses must also be in your credit agreement. So, um, unfortunately, you won't always, you won't necessarily be able to see it on your, on your statement or, or wherever. So it's difficult for the consumer to specifically take notice thereof. But the, the main thing is look in your credit agreement to make sure that that specific sequence is stated in there. Um, that's very important. Yeah, that's true. It's actually making me think of some ideas what we can do for our consumers today. <laughs> right. Okay, our last question for today's podcast is, what are the consumers' rights in terms of accessing and challenging credit records and information on their credit reports? Right, that is a very good question. You're happy with that one, Kurt? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, 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 I like, I used to work for um, one of the large credit bureaus, and this is something that's very uh, near to my heart. So you are in a prime position, you know the ins and outs. Yeah, more or less, more or less. I mean, you'll never know everything. But, of course, um, <laughs> but you've got a better understanding. Yes, and we're, and we're always willing to learn. So um, so the short and the long there, Laura, is what you can do is, um, let's say you go to the credit provider, and now say to you, your loan has been declined based on the information in your credit report. They give you um, the, the contact particulars of the specific credit bureau where you can lodge a complaint. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the first thing is what a credit bureau also needs to do, and, and I'm just checking in terms of the rights to access your credit information. You as a consumer have the right to access your credit report from any credit bureau for free once every year. So once in every 12 months, you can get that for free. After that, you can access it by paying the prescribed fee, which I'm not going to go into the yeah. specific calculation, but it is limited. Um, so that's very important and a lot of the credit bureaus, what they're now currently trying to do is they'll actually give you access to your credit reports for free um, uh, throughout the lifetime of your, your relationship with them. So that's definitely something that the consumers can, can utilize to make sure that they know what is going on on their credit reports and that they're in good credit standing, uh, they've got a good credit score. And that translates into better interest rates when you apply for a bond or for vehicle finance or for short-term loan or for loans, whatever the case might be. So it actually saves you money. So please, 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 consumers, make use of that service. Go get it and make sure that you know what's going on in your credit report. Um, in terms of challenging the record, so let's say now in my example, you sat with the credit provider, you've got a bad credit record according to him, he gives you the contact details of the credit um, bureau. Now you can physically go to the credit bureau or you can phone him or email or access them um, or their service online. You can obtain your credit report and now you see, for example, whoa, there's information on my credit report that is inaccurate or that is outdated. Um, and you can dispute that. Um, so you log a dispute with the specific credit bureau. They might ask you some questions to verify your identity. They can even ask you to provide you with an identity document, copy thereof, or um, with your proof of address. And that's just to make sure that they are dealing with the consumer whose report that is in front of them. Okay, now you now you explain to them, but look, let's say a loan with credit provider X, um, I've already paid that up and it still reflects an outstanding amount. Um, now the credit uh, bureau has got the responsibility to actually go to credit provider X and they need to investigate whether or not um, that information is indeed accurate and um, updated. 
So they'll normally contact them, they'll ask them to provide them with credible evidence, um, which based on the type of dispute that you are logging mm. can be anything. In our case, for example, they would, might ask the credit provider to provide them with an, an updated statement um, showing that there is still an amount owing by you as the consumer to credit provider X. And then, and this is the main thing with what people don't always know or understand. The credit bureau has 20 business days to go and um, investigate this whole thing. And they need to resolve the dispute within that within 20 business 20. days. So from you, from the date that you lock the dispute and you provide it, and they know that they are dealing with you as the consumer, um, they've got 20 business days to go to the credit provider, do this whole process. Um, if, they, if the credit provider ignores the credit bureau's request, or if they pro don't provide them with the necessary um, credible evidence proving that the information is accurate, the credit bureau technically has no other option than to remove that specific um, oh, wow. um, consumer credit information because of the fact that the validity thereof can't be verified. Okay. The flip side of it is now, if the credit provider comes back and they provide you with the credit bureau with the statement showing that there is indeed an amount owing, then it means that the information at the credit bureau is indeed accurate. However, what the credit bureau then must do is they must provide the consumer with a copy of that um, of that specific credible evidence. So then you 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 will have the the proof in front of you that, the, that indeed that information is accurate. And um, as everything in life, if you're still not satisfied with the service, you can always go to the credit ombud or you can go to the NCR to lay a dispute um, to make sure that, that the, the matter is investigated further. Bottom line is the, the consumer, if they're in that situation, they must just persevere and get to the bottom of, and not give up. They must. And it's and, and remember as well, that's a free service that the credit bureaus must provide you with. They can't charge you uh, for any fee uh, to correct your to correct your credit information on the credit mm. report. Um, you will often also find that I'm just thinking about something else now. You you often get people out there that uh, they call it they were in the credit repair services. Yes, the famous credit repair. Interestingly enough, in terms of that is if, if there is a third party rendering these credit repair services, they technically not allowed to charge you any fee up until the date and time that that service has been rendered completely. Um, mm. And that often people forget. They like to charge you upfront amount to, to assist you in, in, in rectifying your credit records. Um, the only exception to that rule is, it, is if it is an attorney that actually is assisting you. Okay, um, nice. They are normally allowed to take their fees upfront. But Everybody else um, who is not a credit provider, a uh, credit bureau, um, they can't charge you a fee for, for that credit repair service up until the time that um, the fee, the service are actually rendered. Fantastic. I hope our audience take a note of that a very important point you've just made. Okay, Gerard, bye, Danke. Thank you for joining our podcast today. It cannot be tell Prat. And to our audience, thanks for listening to my credit podcast. Be sure to visit mycreditstatus.co.za to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic content. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for listening to My Credit Status Podcast. Make sure you tune into our next show, where we will continue to provide you with valuable information about your credit health. We value your feedback, so we would love it if you can rate, 
and review us on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be alerted as soon as a new episode is live. Visit mycreditstatus.co.za.